You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. past personal failure cause you to not to confront another Christian who's wandered from the truth and going their own way. They might look at you when you confront them and say, wait a minute, you did the same thing. Who are you? Who are you to talk to me? But if you've really repented, don't let your past failure, which may be just like theirs, keep you from lovingly confronting them. You're not responsible for how they respond. Nothing you can do about that. Third thing is my need to repent. Sometimes we're not going to confront somebody else because we got sin in our own lives that needs to be dealt with. And until we let God deal with the sin in our own lives, we can't really confront anybody else. When it comes to confronting a brother or sister in Christ over their sin, many of us have struggles of our own that hinder us from doing so. While something such as a need for repentance in our own life is indeed valid, we sometimes let things like past failures get the best of us. In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach you the importance of recognizing the need for personal repentance, but not letting our past sins keep us from confronting each other. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 with today's edition of The Living Word. You know what some things are that will prevent us from loving confrontation? By the way, didn't share this last night, but it just hits me right now. One of the reasons people won't become relational in a church body, (laughs) they don't want people to know about their lives. They don't want people to know. Here's the first thing, fear. I mean, just those stories I I went through very quickly. What, What will they do to me? What will they think of me? Fear. How are they going to respond when I confront them? Past personal failure. I think this may be, may be, one of the reasons that David did not respond correctly to his two sons, Amnon and Absalom. Remember, Amnon raped his half-sister, Tamar, Absalom's full sister, And Absalom then conspired and carried out a plot, and he murdered his brother Amnon. David was guilty of both those sins, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and then having Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed so he could have the woman. Don't let past personal failure keep you from dealing with your children correctly. And don't let past personal failure cause you not to confront another Christian who's wandered from the truth and going their own way. They might look at you when you confront them and say, wait a minute, you did the same thing. Who are you? Who are you to talk to me? But if you've really repented, don't let your past failure, which may be just like theirs, keep you from lovingly confronting them. You're not responsible for how they respond. Nothing you can do about that. Third thing is my need to repent. Sometimes we're not going to confront somebody else because we got sin in our own lives that needs to be dealt with. And until we let God deal with the sin in our own lives, we can't really confront anybody else. And we know that. And here's the fourth We don't really love them. If we do not discipline our children, it proves we don't really love them. No matter how much emotion you have toward that child. That's what the Bible says. If we really love people, we really love people. We're willing to confront them compassionately and in love. Because we really care for them. Because what's the motive? What are we trying to do? We're trying to get them back on the path back on the path where they can be blessed because the way they're headed, they're headed for the wall. Now, here's some things to consider before we confront. 
Hypocrisy. And this ties in with some of those first four points, you know, my need to repent. Jesus said to the religious leaders, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? First get the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly how to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's make sure we deal with our own sin. Now, look, we understand, too, none of us are perfect. We're not talking about getting to a point where you're perfect. None of us are perfect. James said we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. But we're talking about a habitual thing. We're talking about somebody who's caught in something and they've wandered. And so they're walking daily, not with the Lord and not according to truth. They've gone their own way. That's the idea. They've gone their own way. And so we got to make sure... As far as we know, you know, we are, we are on the path. We are trying to, we are, we are humble. We are submitted to the Lord. As a matter of fact, that's the second point, humility. I love the story in 1 Samuel 25. King David and the men that had gathered around him while he's running from Saul and he becomes their leader. Uh, they're staying at a place near Carmel. And um, there's a fellow that owns the land and the sheep and all that are there. Uh, his name's Nabal. And David and his men protected Nabal's servants and protected his property. And so it's sheep shearing time, and David thinks it's a great time now to send a messenger to Nabal and say, hey, you got anything for David and his men? And so he sends some of his men as a messenger, and Nabal, whose name means fool, lives up to his name. And he says, who is this David? Every, a lot of people are breaking away in rebellion against their masters. I mean, he didn't give them anything. The man come back to David and tell him, and what does he do? Boys, strap on your swords. We're going to take out Nabal and all the men there in his household. He's going to get vengeance. He's wandered from the path. A man of God, David. Nabal's wife, uh, I don't know how he got this woman, because she's got character. I mean, godly character. She hears about what's happening, and she tells the servants, uh, get some provisions ready, and they load it up on the donkeys, and she goes hurriedly to meet David, and when she gets to him, she bows. And she speaks to him very humbly. And in her humble confrontation of David in his wayward path, thank God he responds correctly. He repents And he even thanks her and says, if you had not come today, I certainly would have carried out what I planned. Because of you, I'm not going to do what I intended. And what would have happened did not happen because Abigail humbly confronted David in his waywardness. Here's another thing to consider. Truth. Wandered from the truth. I want to make sure, we want to make sure when we confront somebody lovingly, out of compassion, that what we're confronting them about, you can find in this book clearly, all right? How many times did the Pharisees and the religious leaders confront Jesus and his disciples condemningly, and what they confronted them about and condemned them for had nothing to do with truth? Healing on the Sabbath, picking kernels of grain in the field on the Sabbath, failing to observe religious ceremonial washings, accusing Jesus of being a drunkard and a glutton. Guilt by association. Says, hey, he's hanging out with publicans and sinners. He must be one. Jesus he accused him of being demon-possessed. And all the accusations had, had no basis of truth at all. Somebody was recently telling me 
one of the fellows in the church and one of his clients, I guess as a Christian, goes to another church. You'd recognize the church if I said the name. And I'm not going to mention the name because I'm not trying to slander anybody, but it just was humorous to me. I guess the lady had been in a part of this church for a while and she'd heard about Calvary Chapel and she heard that I, um, I preach in jeans. Thank God I wore my <laughs> other's pants today. And uh, she just couldn't get over how, how in the world I could, I could do that. You, really? You're kidding me. You're going to condemn me because I preach in jeans? Where, where, where do you find that in the Bible? Come on. Jesus said to the Pharisees, come on, guys, make a right judgment. You're judging things based on your tradition and based on your own opinion. Hey, let's find something in the Word of God. That's what we're looking for. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know you love me. Look, how can you come to church in jeans? And look, look at that. You have flip-flops. My goodness. And you're on the front row. <laughs> now, I didn't want to go here on this next one, but I just felt led to go here. This is not some exhaustive list, but here's some sins I think clearly need to be confronted in the church. First, a perversion of the gospel. Remember Galatians 2, Peter at Antioch, when people from James showed up and the circumcised believers, circumcised believers, Peter withdrew and wouldn't fellowship with the uncircumcised believers. And by doing that, by doing that, he's misrepresenting the gospel because what he's saying by his actions is circumcision has something to do with my righteousness. And we know that's not true. And so Paul says, I confronted Peter publicly because he was in the wrong. And he said, you know that we circumcised Jews are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, just like the uncircumcised Gentiles. We're both saved by grace through faith. You add anything else to it, you perverted the gospel. Don't tell, you, you find somebody saying, no, you got to be baptized or you're not saved. That's not what the Bible says. You ought to be baptized. I can't understand why a Christian wouldn't want to be baptized, but you're saved before you got baptized. That's why you're getting baptized. You add anything else to grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you perverted the gospel. Paul was so serious about this that when he writes in Galatians, he says, if me or an angel from heaven preaches to you any other gospel than the one I delivered to you, let him be accursed. That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Living Word. There's more to learn from the book of James, so we hope you'll join us again. Pastor Danny Hodges leads and serves the Lord as pastor of Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and each new edition of The Living Word that you hear is from one of his messages given to the congregation. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we want to invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Come just as you are for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. You'll be able to find directions at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you're not in the area, you can still join us virtually through our live stream. You'll find a link at the top of the page at ccfstpete.church. 
Is there anything that we can be praying about for you? If so, please email us at info at ccfstpete.church. We love that we can do this for our listeners, and we'd be happy to answer any questions you have to the best of our ability. Would you also pray for us? Please pray for Pastor Danny as he continues to share the Word of God, and for the listeners who, like you, are tuning in to hear truth and love. Pray for protection and for open hearts. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.